0: You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie. It is uh, Game for a Movie 31. Uh, I just lost a complete <laughs> moment of my mind there. What just happened? Uh, uh, I don't know. You glitched out for a second. I did. Yes, it Matrix. is 31. Yeah, it's 31. <laughs> it's kind of confusing because we're double dipping this weekend, aren't we? We are double dipping this weekend, so we will probably release these separately. Um, but we are recording twice this weekend. Um, this is episode 31, and we're actually doing it out of order because Andre couldn't be a part. I um,
1: yeah. <laughs> was like, Can I get a Santino soundbite from Project Runway? What happened to
0: Andre? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to work a on soundbites. bites. <laughs> I'll, yeah, we got we got to be like a morning zoo show where it's just like all these wacky sound bites just keep getting fed in. Well, like all of these be a good All of these <laughs> other shows I listen to have like be, uh, audio beds and then they like include sound effects and stuff like that and I'm thinking to myself, "Whoa, we don't do that." And then I'm going, no. "But we're also <laughs> I'm not good enough at that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know how, like,
1: I used to have, like, one of those, like, talkback things as a child where mm-hmm. you, like, you put a thing in and then you could, like, layer sound. Like, yeah. that is the gist of my sound mixing abilities right
0: there. I think I could do audio beds. I think I could probably do sound effects, but it would take a lot more editing and I'm lazy, so, you know.
2: It's so speaking, totally of, speaking of audio events, there's a lot of audio issues in the movie that I watched, but we're going to get to that
0: at the oh, end of the episode. Yes, Mitchell lost. Um, <laughs> but first, let's introduce ourselves as we do every episode. I am your host, Mike Tank. I am joined by.
2: It's Jill. And Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a daytime talk show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jill and Mitchell. peace time. I got my coffee, so I'm, I'm right there. Okay. I just have my coffee.
0: All right, well, you both jumped into it. Well, I guess I'm the only heathen on the show because I got a mimosa. I'm jelly of your mimosa. Well, I also have a beer for when the mimosa's gone, which it only has, like, two sips left. Uh, Lone Pine Brewing Company from Portland, Maine. I've got Space Metal Dinosaur. See, that is a prime example of why sometimes you should only buy beer based on the name. Yes. Because yeah. that is an awesome name. And honestly, this is a great beer. Um, and what's funny about it is I did buy it based on name only. Uh, Claire was yep. at the liquor store, and she was buying beer for me because I needed a new four-pack. And she goes, yep. uh, here are your options. Uh, the, 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 the Space Metal Dinosaur. And I was like, Space Metal Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I discovered Pipeworks, Pipeworks, uh, yeah. Ninja vs. Unicorn, when yes. I was in Chicago, solely because of the name. Yep, they also have Lizard King, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have some great ones out there. Uh, so sh-
1: shout out to uh, Pipeworks. I love
0: Pipeworks, oh my god. Uh, I love Loden Pine, too, this is a great beer. Um, okay, we've talked about what we're drinking. We've yes introduced ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's talk movies. <sighs> Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> did you just, like, <laughs> sigh about talking movies?
2: It's like, well, that's why we're here or something. Uh, I know, but the movie I have to talk about today. Uh, that's
0: fair. <laughs>
1: but you know what, Mitchell? Think about it this way. No one can ever make you watch it again. The
2: movie that's can't true. hurt you anymore. <laughs> that's true. I mean, honestly, the best part about the movie is it was, like, 80 minutes, and that was it. Ooh, so yeah. I did appreciate that.
0: <laughs> yes, and it is a sequel to one of the ones we've talked about on the show before, so get ready for that. Um so normally I stick with things that I've watched recent that are like recent movies. Um it's never been a rule, we can watch whatever we want. Um uh, but it's just kind of one of those things where I just like to watch recent. Well, as I'm getting ready to record, I'm going, I haven't really watched any recent movies lately besides one that I'm gonna talk about for cash or trash. Um so I did a hashtag boozing and tweeting this past week for clue. 1985 classic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clue, you know the one with Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Martin Mull, Madeline Kahn, Eileen Brennan. It's a star-studded cast, and Michael McKean. How could I forget him as well? Um, if you don't know Clue, it's based on the board game. It is the best movie released about a board game until uh, Uno comes out next year.
1: You mean Battleship? Excuse me.
0: Uh, I do not mean Battleship. <laughs>
2: R- Rihanna was on. in that. How dare you?
1: Yes, Rihanna is in that, and she's by far a, a highlight among the sheer stupidity that surrounds her. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, I like I said, it's the best board game movie until Uno comes out next year. I don't even know how that movie's going to work. I, I have no clue. We're we're gonna find out. It's going to be great. It boggles the mind. <laughs> the Uh, Clue is basically all these people get invited to a mansion, um, they get invited there by a mysterious Mr. Body, which I just love the fact that his name is Mr. Body. Uh, we have Wadsworth the butler, played by Tim Curry to perfection, who basically is told to play this tape, that all of them are getting blackmailed, they all get a weapon each, and they can decide to do with it what they wish, uh, obviously the weapons are, like, the rope, uh, the lead pipe. Why am I explaining this movie? You've probably seen this movie. You probably have played Clue. You probably played Clue. Uh, Mr. Body ends up dead. So does the cook, um, and that's and basically makes the whole thing unravel. Um, and then the rest of the movie is trying to figure out who did it. Uh, who done it? Who done it? Sorry. Um, and what I love about the movie is that there is three endings to it. And right. so when it came out, the theaters got different endings so that nobody could spoil it. And everybody thought they had the right ending.
2: And it's definitely a ploy to get people to go back. Yeah. right? And so I wonder how much bank this movie did. It That's an interesting ploy.
1: It did oh, it not did? do well. There's a really good um, YouTuber. I believe it was her new, um, I believe the one I'm thinking of is Pushing Up Roses. Mm-hmm. She um, did a video on this. And that's when I found out that Clue was not a commercial success. It's one of those that it found, it's like Princess Bride. It found success on video release and through rentals.
0: And it's funny you bring oh. up Princess Bride because Princess Bride was the last boozing and tweeting. Make sure you're following our Twitter, because I, I'm day and night on the Twitters. Um, if you want to get annoyed by me in some capacity, please follow our Twitter, at p one Especially for these boozing and tweetings. I love when people chime in. I like to watch, like, classic comedies that a ton of people have watched. Um, so it's never something that I think I'm spoiling. Uh, if you haven't seen Clue at this point, like, come on. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a it's a great throwback movie. It definitely, you know, it was made in a generation before ours, but it's right. something that we enjoyed as kids. Yeah. Um, and as we were discussing before the pod, um, I think Gen Z and below they haven't really been introduced to this movie properly. Right. right. And yeah. I mean, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was gonna. Well, two things. One, yes, it is pushing up roses. The YouTuber she did a really good video on the history of Clue. And then what Mitchell said is that. I didn't watch Clue until I was in college, and I'm kind of, I'm more than 91, so I'm still 100% a, am I a millennial? When am I? <laughs> You're a millennial. You're a millennial, I'm yeah, millennial.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, so I feel that there's not really, an, especially now with the proliferation of social media, I feel like there's not really that many opportunities to come across this film unless somebody slaps you down in a chair. is like, we're going to watch this. Or you go to a midnight screening, which I think a midnight screening of this would be so fun.
0: I think oh, so, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be a blast. Um, it did. So this conversation did, uh, hold up one sec, crack the a beer. Yeah, I love that mimosa time. The
1: mimosa is Denzo.
0: Um, yes, the mimosa is Denzo. Um, it did bring up a question that I had for you guys, because I don't really think we need to talk a whole lot about this movie. Yes, it's great and everything like that, and I have a rating for it. Um, we can talk about it, but really you just need to experience it yourself. Especially the dialogue. It's just so snappy, witty, like everything. Um, the question I had is, when you played Clue growing up, what was your favorite weapon, and who was your character? Well, my character for sure is Professor Plum every time. Every time I could get him.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and then, my weapon of choice, I don't know why the rope keeps popping out at me. But oh. um, but the rope for whatever reason sick me out but really for character that the choice that matters here for me is professor plum nice
1: i was uh, miss scarlet um, or I don't know. I, I'm a sibling. I have an older sister, two years older. We were kind of color-coded, so, like, <laughs> she always got blue things, I always got red things. So when we would play a board game, she would always pick the blue piece, and then me, us being girls and leaning towards more feminine colors, you know, white or red would kind of be my choices. Nobody nice. wanted to be Colonel Mustard and yellow. So, Scarlet. As for weapons? I don't know. The lead pipe is just so unrefined and unsophisticated i kind of love like the sheer brute force of it so i would say lead pipe just because it's it's a fucking lead pipe oh sorry Uh,
0: what are you sorry for we're explicit the e stands for explicit explicit.
2: we have the explicit warning okay
0: good yes all the time in this shit yeah i was just gonna say wait all right let's let's earn our e Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay, good.
1: somebody do their rendition of the George Carlin uh, skit. (laughs) Oh, no.
0: (laughs) sucking motherfucker. (laughs) I used to remember all of that. Um, Piss is one of them? Yes. Tits? Uh, Really? Yeah. Tits is one? No, piss. I think piss. No, it's tits. It's tits. Oh, it's tits? It's tits. tits. Because he talks about Uh Nabisco tits being a snack, and it is one.
2: It's seven dirty
0: words, right? The seven words you can't say on television. Cock uh, oh, okay. motherfucker. No, we're, both, we're both
2: right because piss is one of them. Oh, so okay. So he goes uh, shit, piss, fuck. Uh, this one, this one hurts to say because it is a really bad word for us. And then in Australia, it's used all the time. Cunt, uh, cock motherfucker, and tits. Like that. <laughs> that is the seven. Really... for
1: anyone who's clutching their pearls. This, this conversation was done for the name of you know science and discovery because yes. we needed to discover what these words were.
0: God yes. damn it! I want. I All really right, want to. I really want to make this the like preview that we put out there, but I just know we can't. <laughs> we get banned <laughs> on so many sites. Yo, know, that that one
2: soundbite we put out on social was this me talking about
0: penises. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it was you know, I, it was a refined discussion about penises. I, guess. Not, you <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting away from the point. <laughs> hey, so I played uh, as yeah, Mr. Green. <laughs> I I love the color green, so I was Mr. Green, and okay, makes sense. my weapon was the candlestick because I just found it so weird that it was just a candlestick.
1: Yeah. Is what what, would you, what do with you that. do? That?
0: You just hit somebody with you it. Hits right? them over the head. You yeah. Or maybe like poke them with a candle. Right, but you the lead count. pipe is better <laughs> for like hitting them over the head with. But for yeah, whatever reason, legend. I always thought the candlestick was hysterical. It was just like, oh, we've got a revolver, some rope, lead pipe, fine, fine, fine. Candlestick, the fuck. And then poison. To mention,
1: there's everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. why isn't poison an option?
0: Well, and poison's an option in the movie. There is a point where they think the brandy was poisoned. Oh uh, yeah. So it is in the movie. Um, and then I had a question for our friends that are across the pond. Uh, is the movie called Clue, or is it called Cluido? Or Cludo, Cludo, Cludo. that's it. Cause, oh, got it. You know, like, the different versions of it and everything like that? I can't talk, apparently, Cluido. God damn it.
2: <laughs> okay, so, we're talking, like, when it's translated overseas, is what you're saying? And, well, it's
1: called Cluido or Cludo everywhere but America.
0: Yes. Oh,
2: got it,
1: got
0: it. And so, you know. what would the movie be called? And I think I got told in Germany, it was something like, um... Uh, it, like a Night for Murder or something like that is what they called That's it. great name. And it was, it was so much better. I was like, this is awesome. And it whoever it was that told me this, please tell me again because I thought it was such a cool name. Uh, but yeah. for Murder. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Clue, Tim Curry's finest, I think, in my opinion. Really? Mm-hmm. I think so. Ooh. What
2: would you put? Because I would agree... I Love need you,
1: to I, um Rocky Horror is my immediate one just cuz it's such yeah.
0: a Rocky Horror is great.
1: APU, you, you know. And yeah. like for a lot of people I think that's their okay, maybe it's not a lot of people, but like I feel like um Tim Curry uh, he's also rooster in Annie and he's fantastic there. I'm trying to look at a, a, a filmography just so I can't forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> it is it. I've never seen it, so. Um,
0: I I gotta say, all of these movies are fine Tim Curry movies. Um, and you you got me with Rocky Horror a little bit, where I'm like, ew, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was speaking a little too. If we're just talking about him and like
2: his individual performance, Rocky Horror and Clue are definitely up there. Yeah, I would say Rock. I'm a person who loves Rocky Horror as a midnight experience. Yes. As a movie, it is not good, in my opinion. And- no, it's uh, and you and I can talk about this sometimes. Yeah. So I agree with
0: you. I made Claire watch uh, Rocky Horror around Halloween this year, and yeah. she got about halfway through and was like, "Why are we watching this?" Um, and yeah, I was it's like, boring. "Yeah, that's." Yeah. Fair. You gotta
1: be stick the ending. yeah.
0: Well, so I so wanted to do- make her watch that before we did a mo- midnight screening.
1: So, for going back to my favorite Rocky, for my favorite Tim Curry's, I'm going to say it's twofold. So, there's the film, live performance, and then there's voice acting for me. So, film, it's Rocky Hart. It's Rocky Hart because that's his, not only is that his first film role, it's just such a tour de force from him. And the way that he enters is just fantastic. But then for voice acting, which for me is where, I mean, Tim Curry's all throughout my childhood in animated films, mm-hmm. it's Hexus from Ferngully. Oh. Who knew that a pe- oh, yeah. like some polluted yeah. polluted air could be sexy? <laughs> Burn There's your wow. soundbite right there. Yeah, it
0: is. Um, I mean,
1: his song is literally an orgas- orgasmic extravaganza about how much he loves pollution.
0: Okay. Noxious love. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did think of one other one that I needs to be on the list is uh, his role in the video game Command and Conquer. Space!
1: have
0: not played that. Uh, nobody really has, but is everybody's... Is it. a no. game? It is... So it is a... What is it? It has, like, live-action video scenes in between the actual playing of it. It's like an old 90s, 80s game. Uh, it's not a good game, but it just has him hamming it up as the Russian, uh, villain trying to get to space first, and... He has this part where he literally just like in the screen just goes space, and it's it's insane. I'm not even joking. I'll send you guys the clip. Uh, it's so worth it. Clue is a movie that I think is his best performance, and it gets my first. No, I think I have another one. It is five... first of 2021. First of 2021. We will say that perfect. Uh, five out of five. Uh, dead bodies. Yes. Yay, yes. Very well it, it has earned it. Uh, it is one of my favorites. Any bad day I have, I go and watch Clue, and it just makes everything better. And it still holds true to this day.
1: Yeah. If anyone who's listening to this podcast has never seen it, I highly, I think we all can agree, go and watch it. Yes.
2: I'm trying to find out where it's streaming. Check it out from, from your local head. library.
0: Um, I think it was on Prime.
2: It's also on Pluto TV.
0: Oh, and Amazon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think I watched it on Prime.
2: Okay, cool.
0: Yes. Okay. Jill, that brings us to you.
1: Yep, the cross-stitch is being set down.
0: I love how you're cross-stitching while you do this. Like, you're... Normally, I'm, I'm like, when people are distracted, I'm like, oh, was it something I said? But you were like fully in the conversation and still cross stitching.
1: I, I, I have very, like, I can't do, like, my hand, idle hands is not a thing for me. Mm. So, like, if I wasn't cross stitching, I would either be multitasking with some other game, like Vertex from the New York Times.com, or cro- uh, crocheting. I need to do multiple things at at once. Uh, My brain just can't. Which is funny because Andre cannot multitask at all. So I'll be trying to have a conversation with him while he's like talking to people online. He's like, nope, nope, my brain is breaking. (laughs) It's not that hard. Um, (laughs) So I watched a few movies, and after some deliberation, um, I've settled on the one I'm going to talk about. It came out in 2019. It is The Farewell. Directed by Lulu Wang, um, starring Aquafina. This movie, Lulu Wang.
2: <laughs> Thanks for the correction. It's, yeah, she, she she pronounces it Wong.
1: Yeah, huh. you know, Lulu Wang. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing trailers for this film and hearing the buzz that it was getting um, uh, during the awards circuit. And I finally had an opportunity an opportunity to watch it. It is streaming on Amazon Prime for those who are members. Ooh,
0: okay. And
1: it is the story of a Chinese family who returns back to China because the grandmother, Nene, um, she is dying of, I think it's lung cancer, but as is, I guess, a custom in Chinese culture, they're not going to tell her instead they're going to spend the last the last time they're likely going to see her as normal they don't want to bring her down with bad news because it's not the cancer that'll kill her it'll be the sadness and the bad news is the the thinking um and aquafina stars in it and she's really the only family member at first who's like no we can't do this this is wrong if this was america this would be effectively illegal but she kind of struggles throughout the whole film to decide, am I going to tell her or am I going to go along with this ruse? And the cover to explain why all the family is getting together is a wedding from between uh, her cousin and his Japanese girlfriend that they've only – and they've only been dating for like two or three months at this point. And it's not oh. clear to me. And a question that I have, maybe, Mitchell, you know, did was this a real marriage between the, the cousin and the girlfriend? Or were they just going to, like, sure. get divorced after?
2: <laughs> I don't know. So this whole story is based on – so Lulu Wang, before she directed this, she was a producer on um, what's it called, This American Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a story that she put out there. So I think a lot of it is legitimate and true. Yeah, it's based <laughs> on the, a
1: real lie
2: is how the movie Based begins. on a real lie, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know what the custom is. I can't really speak to that. But that could be the case. You know,
1: yeah. But this movie is really fantastic. I don't want to give too much away, but it's very interesting seeing the family dynamics play out because over time, other family members start to reveal that they too feel that this might not be the right way to go about these things. Maybe it would be better if they tell the grandmother. Um, But then other ones are like, no, this is just not how it's done. It's better. It's a kindness to keep the truth from her and the whole time aquafina delivers such a fantastic performance you know i'm used to seeing her being loud and brash and funny um from her YouTube days, and then also in Oceans 8. Um, I haven't seen her in Raya and the Last Dragon, but I know she plays the dragon, um, and it's kind of like a genie-esque performance. But she's just so wonderful here, and you really see her convey so many emotions while also trying to not show them, because the family is concerned that she's going to just spill the beans immediately. Right. Um, and there's some gorgeous cinematography, too. I really enjoyed how there are these many wonderful shots around China showing like old with the new. Mm-hmm. So buildings that are being torn down and new developments happening. There's a scene where they're driving and Aquafina's character, um, Benny says, Oh, I recognize this place. Why do I recognize it? And a character's like, Oh, this is where your grandmother lived. She's like, Oh, let's go back. I want to see the house. No, it's not there anymore. Oh. And I, I, found that kind of poignant, you know, this slowly, slow removal of the old being replaced with these new, um, new infrastructure which is kind of funny because you know you have seen this modernization of China and yet there's this clinging on to this old custom of not telling people that you know they're dying um which like I said at the beginning I had no idea that that was a thing okay. um it's just it was a really good movie um it is uh mostly in I think Mandarin so subtitles are required. Don't try to multitask to this as I originally thought maybe I could. But um
0: it There's was a just... world of great movies out there if you just read the little words. Just read the subtitles. Yeah. Um sorry, yeah, I probably was... screwed that quote up, but you know, that's Yeah.
1: And it was, and then, you know, despite all this kind of this sad topics, you do have some really hilarious scenes between characters. There's a scene where Aquafina's character and the grandmother are outside doing exercises and the grandmother is like walking around, like hitting parts of her body spelling out the bad energy and she's like this is how I stay young and then there's another scene during the wedding reception where you're watching all these characters just kind of get boozy and singing karaoke playing a drinking game um and you just you really feel towards the end like you're part of this family and you're peeking into this very sad time in their lives and you really kind of walk away at the end of it being like okay that was something and now i i have to think about how how do i feel if i was in this situation what would i do right so yeah the farewell big fan happy i finally got to see it
0: it's interesting that um i think I'm, i'm the only person that hasn't seen it obviously of the three of us um it's interesting to hear you both say such high things about it and that i still haven't watched it yet i think that's what i think is funny about it all
1: it's not work. I wouldn't say this movie is like a task to watch, but you definitely should be in. You shouldn't go into um, go into this movie not in. You shouldn't go in in a bad mood. I would I gotcha. not recommend that. Um, okay. It might it might upset you. I mean, in my family, not that we, like, lied to someone about having health issues, but health, bad health, bad news about health is not really something my family talks about. So we had uh, my mother's father pass away, but then his older sister, she didn't know he died, um, and she passed away a couple months later never knowing that, and that always kind of bothered me. But then, you know, framed after, re- after watching The Farewell, where they're saying it's not the cancer, it's the bad news. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, I, can, I can see the other side of this argument.
0: Yeah, and that that's very interesting that you bring that up, because, like, hearing you talk about that, it's definitely something that... It, it, it's a conundrum. Like, if you find out bad news about somebody else, do you tell them, do you not? Even in, like... Smaller things. It's it doesn't need to necessarily be like oh somebody's dying. It's hey this person is. Um, I'm trying to think of a smaller example, but you know there 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 is small examples where it's. You know this bad news. Do you tell them ahead of it, or do you hold off? Do you do you? I think we can all relate to that, even if it's not like a culture thing. We do relate to that. Mm-hmm.
2: I think the big question in the movie: Were they doing it for themselves? or they were they doing really trying us. to do it for Nene? Yeah, you know? right. It's just like uh, I think that's what I came away with. Yeah. Like how much is the custom for yourself? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the comfort in you know, well, if I don't have if I don't tell her the bad news, then then it's not necessarily real. And you can see that with across the family members that there are some there are some who are like Aquafina's character Billy, where they're like, "No, this isn't right. This isn't good." But then there are other ones who are like. It's the way things are. Life goes on. All you know, it'll be. It'll be all right. And I really like that you got that range of character reactions to the situation because it left it ambiguous:
2: was this for them or was this for her? Yeah. And hmm. hey, Mike, to to your credit, I mean, the reason why not a lot of people have seen this. 2019, I'm just looking back now, this was an A24 movie, and 2019 was a huge year for A24 in terms of putting out just a ton of projects.
0: We're going to, whoa, whoa, two. before you do this, because, yeah. all right, we're going to test my knowledge, because you know my movie preferences. We're going to see how yeah. many of these I've actually seen for your point here.
2: Okay, well I, I was just going to say they're with a smaller production company like A24 which is known for its like, you know, higher brow content, yeah. but they will pick and choose a handful of projects to really put a marketing push behind. Okay. And in my opinion just looking at the box office results, the top 2, uh, number 1 is <laughs> at the very end of the year they came out with Uncut Gems. Okay. Uh, two thousand nineteen. So obviously you get Adam Sandler. So there's the one. Guy, that's number one, and they pushed a lot um, in terms of marketing and in terms of award, uh, you know, consideration. Mm-hmm. And then in the summer they had Midsommar, and that was a movie that made you know forty million or something like that off a very tiny budget. So, so
0: I'm one and one, and one and one, one and one. I, and <laughs> I haven't officially finished Uncut Gems. I got really uncomfortable that night. <laughs>
2: I that about the movie. There's no way I could continue on with this list because there's no way you've seen Waves. Okay. There's no way you've seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is a movie I really liked. Uh, but it just wasn't pushed that, that hard. High Life, Gloria Bell, The Souvenir, which is a movie I still need to see if I really want to. Under the Silver, wave, uh, silver Lake, I didn't see until last year. And then, uh, what's another one? Pfft. Uh, uh, that, uh, the lighthouse. The lighthouse with Robert Pattinson
0: mm. and, and Willem Dafoe. Like, I've seen that one now. I'm yeah, one, in eight. one But I feel, and I feel <laughs> like the
1: lighthouse
2: we've
1: had more publicity than the farewell because you could sell it based on come star see Willem Dafoe. Yes, wacky yeah. star power.
0: Yes, like yeah. we're gonna
1: put these two actors together in a room in a very tight room. And you should just come to watch what happens. So I'm proud it's of myself.
0: I'm proud of myself for hearing of most of those. I think waves and under the silver lake were the only two I hadn't heard before we talked about it. And yes. I, I know this hurts you deeply inside, but um...
2: no, it doesn't. <laughs> 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 I feel fine. <laughs> okay. Good. All right.
1: Yeah. I, 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 all of this is to say that I think the farewell is an absolute must-watch if you are in the right mood, and I, I don't want to make that sound like you only have to be happy going into it. But I could absolutely see people walking away from this film being like, "Oh my god, this was such a downer," and now okay. I feel <laughs> feel bad about things. Well, we, um, we all have I our think,
0: yeah. We yeah. all have our movie that feels that way sometimes. Like yeah, I get that. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that this is just a really good showcase of Aquafina's acting abilities I know some people who don't like her which is weird um, but I, I think that this shows that she's not like a one trick pony that her yeah. character in um, Cra- Crazy Rich Asians is not all that she is um, she has range and she can do a lot of emoting without actually emoting if you know what I mean I'm not talking like Emmy Rossum stone face and Phantom of the Opera but like when she can't convey the sadness that she has about the situation you still see it in her eyes the, and you really feel like the conflict.
0: That's the second week in a row we've talked about Emmy Rossum.
1: Really? Oh yeah because she popped up in um DBE. Yeah we're gonna talk about her tomorrow. Hey you know what? at least she learned how to Emote for that movie
2: <laughs> and Aquafina. This is, uh, you know, I don't agree with the Golden Globes a lot, but she won the Golden Globe that year. You did, you're right.
1: I, bet I haven't, I did not, once again, I failed to do my homework and forgot to look that up. But yes, um, so I would say four out of five. Um, the only reason I'm gonna leave off the not give it a five is the emotion because of the emotions that I felt while watching it and then what I've walked away from.
0: Four but, out of five, what?
1: Four out- oh my god! There's so much food in this
0: movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god,
1: it looks so good. I got so hungry. I just wanted to go eat dinner. Something. Um, I'm gonna say four out of five crab plates.
0: Nice. Yeah, man. All right. All right. Not lobster crab. So we we've, we've yes. had a pretty good episode so far. We have got a five out of five. We got a four out of five. Let's keep it rolling. With the great movie that Mitchell had to watch. I'm so
1: excited to hear about the cinematic masterpiece.
2: Yes. Guys, guys, um, as a sports fan, there are many moments where I'm watching someone like Steph Curry. When he is hot and hitting every three-point shot that he's putting up there, I'm thinking to myself, wow, he makes it look so damn easy. I bet I could go out to the yard right now and do the same thing. And as it turns out, I can't. <laughs> and then this movie made me and Kelly say the same thing. Wow, we could go out and make this
1: movie for the complete opposite reason. because
0: Wait, of you how made Kelly watch this? Was. Kelly sat down and actually
2: watched the entirety of Vampire Boys 2, The New Brood. Yes! She's a keeper. She's a keeper. She's a keeper? And, and keeper? it was a 75-minute uh journey of emotion and um let's see uh brooding as the uh title would suggest a lot of shirtless men a lot of full frontal nudity from men um, more peni. and what's that more peni. oh lots of it lots of peni. does, does uh, this
1: movie have a subtitle vampire boys 2 back in action or something like that
2: uh, the new brood the, the new, new brood. brood the new brood yeah yeah. And then, um, yeah, so we got a lot of great action sequences, um, but let's get into it. Okay. So I was, you know, writing down notes as I typically do watching these bad movies. Uh, we watched this on B. So we had the um, one, it's free, which is great. And then two, there are like little ad breaks. Throughout the movie, so I actually had time oh. to jot down notes, so I could be a captive audience and then jot them down during an appropriate time. Uh, so here's some of the notes I wrote. Let down. me
0: guess, you were a really captive audience.
2: <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I was. Well, me and Kelly were just like, honestly, the first stop. This is an incredibly hard movie to follow, and throughout the entire time, we were looking on IMDb, we we're looking on Wikipedia if we could, and trying to figure out. What the hell are any of these people talking about? Because it looks like they're referencing so many things from the first Vampire Boys uh, with characters and plot development from that one. But, Mike, as you pointed out, if you were watching this sequel, having watched the first one before, you wouldn't recognize anyone because they recast the entire fucking movie. Yep. Oh, oh my God. <laughs>
0: Completely. It's the same characters, just recast.
2: Yes. What did I say about the
1: first one, then, that they didn't want to come back?
2: No, it's just that they all just got immediate success, and the movie (laughs) couldn't afford them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is not true, because if If we... Okay, one of my favorite things about IMDb, I'm looking through the uh, cast list for Vampire Boys 2, and it looks like a screen of characters you have yet to unlock in a video game. Because it None is just them? those silhouettes <laughs> of people with names next to them, and you're like, "Oh wow, they haven't done anything besides this movie." And yes. no, for the most part, that was is. true. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was tough. It was tough, and I can see why. The acting itself, if I want to start somewhere, is that uh, it, it it felt very high school. It felt middle school, where someone would say, and "Mike, you're someone who you know did theater in college, yes. and you've probably seen this growth with a lot of actors, but." you would have someone say their line the other person takes a beat and then they say their line yeah. you know it's just like oh, they're yeah. waiting for their turn to talk oh especially you
0: know? especially in high school like it's it's just line 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 you gotta feel line. line and yeah it, definitely experiencing it in my two years of college theater uh you see when people start to hit that point of just like but why am I feeling that way <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's that was the vibe yeah. for 75 minutes, and thank God this was 75 minutes. That was easily the best part of the movie. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, it's incredible of how much this thing reminded me of the room, and I'm not using that as a compliment in the fact that the room is, in a way, a fun watch because of how abnormally bad it is. Um, and you have just uh, the craziest line reading and all that. But I'm just talking about the sheer quality of the filmmaking and that is the use of ambient sound. One of my favorite moments, this is this movie is set in L.A., yes. allegedly.
0: Yes. I hey,
1: Canada.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, they are in L.A., but here's the choice that really befuddled me. They're supposed to be, like, in the woods, you know, just, like, away from society, and they're all, like, these vampires are talking to each other, and they decide to mix the audio crazy where you could hear nature really, really loud. And it's like bugs and animals and chirping of animals that are not indigenous to the Los Angeles area. And that is what made it so hard to follow, partly because I could even hear the dialogue of what these dudes were saying. And it's like them in the woods. And another, another great moment as they're walking through the woods, uh, they definitely wanted you to know that they're walking on like crunchy leaves and twigs and stuff and
1: <laughs> they really made no, you feel that. like a leaf in that
2: forest oh yeah they wanted you there and yeah like who cares what the characters are saying as long as you know you're in the woods with them I, so I'm you glad would he- not
1: pay for a 4D experience of this film <laughs>
2: look they're doing all out
0: I, I'm really <laughs> glad that they kept the same sound editor from the first one because that's what it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> look I mean Everyone has their
2: first movie,
0: and then unfortunately, the second movie wasn't a big step up. Was <laughs> it? All right, so we need to talk about sound. Was there a rabble, rabble, rabble anywhere in the movie? No, no there was
2: not a discernible
0: rabble, rabble, rabble. Damn, because that—that was the sound editor in the first ones, like crowning achievement, where the rednecks there were just literally saying rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> And I think that would have actually helped the movie because that makes it feel like, oh, it knows what it is. This one, it feels
2: like they're trying to tell, in in certain scenes, like they really believe that this is a story of self-sacrifice and love and choosing uh, to be the better man despite Uh. bad circumstances.
0: Like, it's all there, kind of. Kind
2: of. (laughs) Unfortunately, none of it's executed. (laughs) Uh, And then... Uh. One more thing about the sound, which I love so much that you could just, this brings me back to college, really. Whenever you're filming something and you're cutting between the different cameras, uh, a a tell of that it was recorded poorly from an audio perspective is that you could hear the audio quality change as you're going from camera cut to camera cut. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the ambient noise changes. As you're going in the same scene, you're in the diner or wherever. And there's like a lot of white noise and then there's none. And then it's
0: like oh God. it's
2: like, oh my God, this is so jarring. And uh it, again, hard to follow. Just fight the uh mountains worth of uh exposition that was given through the dialogue. Just absolutely incredible. So um, what's the plot. Yeah. Yeah, what is the plot? That is a great question. That is a uh, question that <laughs> philosophers very
1: interested are in knowing still this considering. Point. Yeah, this movie is made in 2013. So, obviously, you know,
2: capturing the Twilight Craze, or trying to at least. And this was basically, it boils down to uh, two covens. Um, so, two groups of vampires who are put in a position to battle each other. And really, it's uh, two people trying to uh, determine. You know, who is going to live and who is going to die? And it's between our main characters, Jason and Demetrius. Demetrius is the antagonist. And Demetrius is actually the one who is setting this up. And the plot goes, essentially, um, there is a fight club of sorts in the vampire world. And Demetrius wants to take that over and recruit humans to become vampires by making them fight each other uh, to the death. And while these humans, uh, you know, battle out and whoever ends up surviving then gets turned into a vampire as a reward. um, And it goes from there.
0: Let me me guess the fighting takes place shirtless.
2: Oh, most of the movie takes place shirtless. Yes. Okay. (laughs) But here's. Here's the deal. So, you talk about the shirtless thing, and typically it's to, you know, just kind of exploit the fact that these guys have amazing bodies, amazing abs, or whatever. I don't want to be titillated by the hotness on the screen. Nope. that is not the case in this movie. And it's now, not the case in one, the
0: first one either.
2: In one case, I guess you could respect it, as Kelly brought up. It's just like, well, they're kind of, uh, you know, just saying like, hey, any, you know, this is any, this is anybody, any. Uh, you know, space body can be in this movie,
0: and that's kind of you know all encompassing. That's cool, very yeah, inclusive. good for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but
2: at the same time, if a dude is shirtless, you may as well make it worth the audience's time.
0: <laughs> uh, this
1: makes me think of uh, the second Twilight movie where. You know, after, like, two hours of hanging out with a very, very good-looking Taylor Lautner, who's shirtless also, you know, it jump cuts to Edward in Venice or wherever he is, he's, like, solemnly taking off his shirt to reveal to the world that he's a vampire, and I just remember being in a theater, and, like, when he took that shirt off the girls on my left my right and my like my best friend on my left were like <gasps>
0: and i was like Ugh. so <laughs> Not i too much <laughs> i saw that movie in a midnight screening for a girl because you know reasons um yeah i if i wanted to see myself on screen in a movie
1: <laughs> it was like okay to Edward, to, to uh robert patterson's credit at least when he made this movie i appreciate that he looked like the everyman but after all of that taylor Lautner hotness it was quite the step down
0: get ready for a bat yeah. pa- uh, bad abs
2: Oh, God. Yeah. The first set of like abs, quote unquote, we see. And he's actually probably my favorite character in the movie. And it shows a lot that I don't even care to remember the character's name. But he's in it. And he's actually someone that you want to root for. He's the guy who originally is running this gym where people are doing the oh. bike club. And he's kind of a bigger, heftier uh, dude. And there's a moment in the first scene where he is uh, getting dressed from fighting. And there's like this insert shot of him zipping up his hoodie. And it's just centered and focused in on his abdomen, if you want to call it that. And it's just like clearly designed to make you think, oh, wow, look at these rock hard abs. And (laughs) it's just like a one zip, very gratuitous (laughs) shot. I didn't get it at all. It made me laugh. Um, but anyway, that that's was the point.
0: I feel like that, the rest of this movie. podcast I need to do shirtless. Like pop my top off, you know, like.
2: Look, I ain't going to stop you. You know what? If you guys want to be in
1: Vampire Boys 3, the, I don't know, the unfanging, go for it.
0: The Live unfanging.
2: <laughs> well, that's pretty good.
0: I do like <laughs> no, that.
2: Gardening. So, okay. Oh, hello. Mike
0: has an <laughs> Wait, is he doing it? Oh shit! Mike has nice. done it. Shirtless podcasting! Shirtless. Do you have a that? hoodie that
1: you could like s- sultrally
0: zip up? I do actually. I do actually have a sultrous hoodie that I can zip <laughs> up shortly. Give me what a second. Like, Burt Kreischer! Shows? Yeah. Burt Kreischer! Machine? The machine! The machine! Hey, at, at Burt Kreischer, when you listen to our show, listen to Dads on Dayquil. They really want to get you on the show. <laughs> Mic for the sound, instead of the can popping, it should be the zippy of the zipper. I'm you sorry. Ready? <laughs> ready? No. <laughs> oh <laughs> I no! Like oh I no! Uh. Have a Fake sound effect on YouTube. You can find one. <laughs> <A> zipper. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have my shirt off? Wait, what happened? Zipper
2: a movie. <laughs> Zip for a movie. Oh, hey. Wow, that could be a, That could be our like porn side. <laughs> podcast. When we talk about bad pornos, I'm actually totally captured. <laughs> I mean, this movie is pretty damn close to being a porno, I would say. Is it rated R or is it unrated? Well, with the full frontal, like, um, I don't know what it's rated. I mean, it should
0: be NC-17 or up, I would imagine. Well, if it's blasted, um, we know it's R. That's true. That's
2: true. Everything was... Death blasted. I don't know how anyone could be aroused by any of
0: the sex scenes that they were trying to pull off. All right, it's cold. Uh, I'm putting my shirt back on. Good for you. <laughs> Sorry. Gotta find it. I threw it away, so. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this the
2: awkwardness that we're experiencing here was basically all 75 minutes of Vampire Boys 2.
0: What awkwardness? Um, what awkwardness? <laughs> so
1: we're you're just, dudes, we're just dudes with our shirt off.
2: Just a couple dudes the shirt off, you know? Dude. Singular dude with shirt off. Singular dude. You know. Whatever. <laughs> Don't be down to hang. So, um, Mike, I, Mike, Well, Mike, I got a question for you. Shoot. Um, becoming a vampire, me and Kelly were trying to figure out why, um, why every character in the movie was gay. Like, was that something that was a point by the director? Or is that part of this universe? And I deduced that the reason that this was the case was because... You immediately, when you turn into a vampire, you become infatuated and fall in love with the person who turns you. And in every single case in this movie, the person who gets turned or does the turning is from a male vampire. Right? We so, do not see a female.
0: So I what don't. Do okay. So in the end of Vampire Boys One, yeah, uh, both the female and the male that were up for being the one that uh jason would turn both got turned mm-hmm. so there is a female and a male that both got turned um, yeah, the female's back
1: in this too.
0: okay yep so i was
1: gonna ask if any women were in this movie
0: i don't think go. the idea was every vampire's gay i think gotcha. it was more so like they're just so they don't care like they don't care, Got male it. or female, that kind of thing. I think it's, Got it. so. I think and they're that, just bi creatures.
1: That right. tracks with just general vampirism and pop culture is that when you're yeah. going, when you're an immortal, what is like? Wh- why limit yourself? You're gonna live forever. You know, um, and I the think- vampire. It just it, it doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: I think also the idea with some of the people that have been turned, at least in my understanding of Vampire Boys 1, the four main vampires in Vampire Boys 1, Jason was the leader, and then the other three just feel like his boys that he thinks he can hang out with for forever. They don't necessarily have relations, they're just, hey, this is my crew, like, these are my boys, this is is Tiny, this is uh, Bigwig, this is Shark, you know, like... Well, Jason has a lover. Like,
2: he definitely has a lover in this movie. Caleb? His name is Kevin. Oh, Are Caleb? You? Yeah, it was Caleb. It was Caleb. Caleb I was in the first, first one. one. Okay. So, he, he is his lover in this one. Uh, the very first scene, we see them together in bed. So, <laughs> it, that that is established from the get-go. And he is actually, Caleb's kind of the MacGuffin of this whole thing. Uh, because Demetrius uh, basically abducts him and wants to turn him over to his coven, by fighting the only female character that we have seen in this movie um, but how the whole battle sequence at the end pans out um, she, she is about to kill Caleb and eventually you know take the win for Demetrius but then one of Demetrius's boys who I believe his name is Kevin kind of has a change of heart and stops her from stabbing Caleb and he just utters out love and then the the girl's like oh yeah yeah bet and then throws the knife over at demetrius seemingly killing him and then as he's like lying down dying on the floor um the one who's there to catch him is jason and demetrius looks up at jason he's just like why do they love you but hate me that Jason just, he explained it. I mean, doing a great job here, just explaining it, you know, turning, uh, to, as, as Kelly put it, uh, making the uh, the text out of subtext and really just explained, well, I took a bad situation and, you know, handled it well and you did not. And, and my boy died. You know, he <laughs> doesn't die, by the way, because I don't think you can die because... Homeboy, Demetrius, turns up in, like, the next scene. This is a yeah. Chewbacca in Rise of Skywalker situation. No, no, no. no.
0: So, in the, in the first one, they have to be decapitated. They can be... Right.
2: there's a lot of decapitating in this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's will little roll.
0: So, the, the, like, if he got stabbed, he's yeah. just minorly inconvenienced for a while.
2: Right. And he d- disappears
1: or something like that. Like, I think it's a yeah. dramatic death scene anyway, even though it's already obvious that he's not dead
2: well I mean the thing is you want to set up the number three you, you want to set up Vampire Boys 3 and
0: I can't wait for the next episode which is Vampire Boys 3 oh my god
2: so anyway um, th- that's how it all turns out they all go through their separate ways in the Los Angeles woods very famous of the Los Angeles area um, and they just go about their, their separate ways one of my favorite parts in this movie by the way um, is the, I'm just going to bring it way back you can tell how campy and not knowing how campy and shitty their their movie was, uh, but there's a scene that takes place on a bus, like on a in a like a bus in some parking lot that was empty, and these two people try to have sex in it. And this is actually the first abduction scene that we uh, paid witness to in this movie with Demetrius. So these two human lovers uh, just going after it in a bus until they're like, holy shit, someone's outside. So they run out. Uh, They go down the aisle of the bus, and then they turn and try to get out, but they can't. Uh, So they're like, oh, man, we have to go through the back. So they turn around and go back. In that shot where they're turning around and going back, in the driver's seat of a dark bus, you can clearly see the hand of a camera operator. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) no! There to take the other angle of them running down the aisle. It is incredible. I had to rewind it just to make sure it wasn't like a vampire hiding who was gonna like jump uh, out at them. No. He was not. He was not. He was a cameraman. He was just doing his job. He just <laughs>
1: recorded it on screen.
2: It is one of those things where it, it's an easy shot to capture without the cameraman there, and then you just run the same shot again. Just. the cameraman back in that driver's seat shot if you want it and it's incredible so so many mistakes that were made and i'm just like you know i it blew my mind how bad of a movie this was like you had to do this on purpose like you had to do this on purpose
0: i just don't think they cared i think they literally said we're just gonna make this movie and if stuff happens stuff happens we're gonna make it for as cheap as possible and we're just gonna capitalize and Capitalize on Twilight, which makes me think of oh Twilight. There was a lot of wood scenes. Oh, yep. we need the LA woods that definitely exists.
2: <laughs> right, and there's definitely nature in LA, but it's not like that oh, there's the woods. Yeah, that type of nature. Like, yeah, I, I was uh, I was howling. So <laughs> at, is there like, all the different bugs that we heard? So is there
1: like a post credit scene that does set up the, the third one? Is there a third one? Um, that's
0: a great question. There's that not a third know? one. As far no, as I know, right. there's not a third one. Maybe production has begun, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> there's not a third one. So if you're looking, if you've joined our podcast for Vampire Boys coverage, unfortunately, this is where it ends.
1: The train stops here.
0: Yes. Well,
1: I think what we need to clearly do is a fan fan made Vampire Boys three, the unfanging, or I haven't thought of a better name, Vampire Boys two thousand, Vampire
0: Boys three two thousand one, or something like that. I gotta lose some flab. We need a camcorder and go into the woods
1: of New England, real woods with real crunchy leaves and r- insects. And I uh,
0: do our best. I need, I need to lose some flab. Not because <laughs> I need abs, but because I need to represent the vampire body, which is just every man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the every man look that you have to go for. Yes.
0: I mean,
1: I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know. It has one. Write. It has
0: one. You it would one have three one. lines of dialogue.
1: No, she oh, has <laughs> oh. Okay. So I'm she actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my my four sentences of dialogue rather than like here, I have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. That's Ugh. basically what that trope is. You're a sexy lamp. Women who are women who are in a thing for no reason other than to look good, sexy lamp.
0: Hey, we've got a new merch option there. <laughs> You're a sexy lamp. <laughs>
1: You're a sexy lamp. I mean it's basically the sex the female version of the, you know. You're, you play a tree in the... Play. You're, you're in a play, you play the tree.
0: Hey, I was tree number three in, like, fourth grade.
1: It was a shrub. A shrub. <laughs> some, some Jewish play I was in in Hebrew private school.
0: Okay.
2: My, yeah, any of, like, the elementary school plays I've been in, we would never had those roles, thank God. Like... I always thought that was, just like, a TV thing. It's like, oh, what? Other kids do this?
0: So... Well, so Go for it. Oh, no. What I was going to say is like, so when I was tree number three, it was when I was older. So the, it was like, all right, it was probably later than that. Obviously, I'm joking with this. It was like the freshman play in high school, but I was a junior. So they made the older kids do the, oh, you're tree number three so that the freshman can get the spotlight. We still needed somebody to do this. So, we did uh, we Did the Phantom Tollbooth. I was the Tollbooth arm. That was my position, was the Tollbooth arm. Gotcha.
2: So, in my
1: case, if you've ever seen... So, like, you know how, um, like, the Nutcracker is structured, where it's, like, different age groups play the different characters that populate the world? So, like, the Sugar Plums are usually, like you know, maybe, like, first and second graders, um, I can't think of other characters from a Nutcracker, but you know how, like, different age groups play different characters, so in my case, I was in, like, my Hebrew private school, I must have been, like, first or kindergarten, so, like, my age group played plants, because we were doing a play about, like, the seasons of the year and the Jewish holidays that fall into each season. So like me being a shrub was not like, oh, we don't know what to do with your character, so go play go play inanimate, inanimate object number five. It was like, no, you're this is your age group, your age group plays these things.
2: That's good Gotcha. Yeah. So it was a cast system.
1: Yes. Yeah. A cast a cast
2: casting system system. A
0: cast casting. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, guys Mitchell. so i've
2: actually i looked okay before i get to my rating okay. so sterling entertainment is the group that produced this movie they have a website called sterlingmoviefactory.com okay, and so movie the, factory. once movie you go factory. on it by the way google chrome is telling me this is not secure but <laughs> the, the quote that says like at the very front in yellow text it says you can make a movie too and then you enter the website, and then in the about us section, it's telling you that David Sterling is a guy who produces movies at a micro budget level. And the the you know the key is to get kids who have not made their first movie yet, and invite them to make those movies with him. And that is it. Like this is a guy who's like, all right, pay me money for the budget, and then we will make this movie for you. So, do you and Kelly want to make a movie? Like, like we, had talked, part, about we had could, like, talked about it last night. We just talked about it last night. Vampire don't Boys I don't know Three. Yeah, Vampire <laughs> Boys Three. We could do vampires. Boy, we honestly we could probably write a better script than this. I'm not sure about the rest of the movie. Like, if we could overcome the actual physical production part, but
0: I mean, this is hilarious. I I, I like we totally should. I like Vampire Boys 3, The Unfanging. Is there any better subtitle that we need to include? I like it, though. And that's, I think that we might have a winner. <laughs> Honestly, I think
2: we just go from there. We work from the title on down. And, what, does mean, and, and
0: what, does what does that
2: mean to be unfanged? What does that mean to be
1: unfanged? Maybe they get like the vampirism reversed.
0: So I think Jason needs like to be turned right? into a human.
1: Mm, he lives yeah. a day as a human, and he gets to experience the everyman's life. He gets to go to a Starbucks, and they give him the wrong order. He gets like full fat milk in his cat and his
0: uh, dairy free latte. They spelled really Jason. They, when they, yeah, they spelled Jason the right way on the cup. <laughs> oh, well, that works too. I was thinking like J A Y S O N instead of J A S I N. Jason. They were, they <laughs> was Jason. To
2: fuck it up. Oh, my God.
0: He plays Heavy yeah. Rain, and every time somebody goes Jason, he goes.
2: Anyway, like we're talking about a movie that can be made, guys. So it can uh, be made. It can be made. So let us know what well, you think the plot should be. of, uh, the unfanging. and we will. We will get get to work on that script.
0: Uh, I have okay. way too much on my pl- uh, like my plate. But if anybody wants to write that, please, I'm in. I'm with you. I'm with Don't you. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> so Chill, man, you have we're idle hands. Vampire Boys 2, the new brood from
2: 2013. I'm giving this one a classic Mitchell Zero, and yes, that is a half star, uh, but I'm going to give this a half decapitated head, uh, because damn it, they made a movie. But so it. can you. It
0: so can you. You know what this means, though, don't you? What? what? Now that I've watched the first one, you've watched the second one, and we're making the third one, we have yeah. to watch the two for research of what the storyline is Didn't to this know. point.
2: We absolutely
1: I, agree. I agree with Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull on pop culture osmosis, what I've, you know, my love of the mid 2000s hit The Covenant. Because, you know, I think the Unfangy needs some male witches.
0: Ooh. Oh, okay.
2: Why not? Yeah. Oh, that's how he gets Unfanged.
1: I love a monster mash. So
2: That's how he gets Unfanged. <laughs>
1: So, no, we do not need to do any prior research. We don't. If anything, we don't want our artistic vision to be hampered by what came before and the, those failures.
0: God damn it!
2: No, they all made money. So <laughs> according to this website, every movie this man has produced has made money. So but he's a regular Rumplestiltskin. I mean, him. I guess.
0: I mean, certain movies make money when the budget is five bucks.
2: That's it. That's the secret. That's yes. the secret
0: sauce. Really i, I got to imagine country. something like Tsunami made money.
1: Yeah. I think maybe, maybe overseas. Maybe it was big in Japan.
0: China that has, salesmen definitely is, made money.
2: It is all about distribution. Yes. Finding the right path for distribution. For them back in the day, it was those DVD bins in front of Walmart. And this year, or, you know, maybe it's Tubi. Maybe it's Pluto TV. I don't know where this thing well, could land.
1: So, so on that note, just, and this is totally, like, me dragging out this conversation, could they put this in a Walmart $1 bin because of the nudity?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe if you have the rating on there.
1: Maybe. Because, like, I'm trying to think of what's usually in those bins, and it's usually, like, GPG, PG-13, un- maybe a few, like, unrated documentaries. What? But, like, I didn't think they put hard R content
0: in those bins I think I got Major League 2 from one of those bins and it's an R rated movie obviously it doesn't have as much nudity so I, I'm wondering where the line is because I think that's a hard R but, oh yeah but it's not a like nudity R it's a we say fuck a few times yeah
2: mm-hmm. for sure
0: Certainly what
1: we need to do is go up to our local Targets and Walmarts and ask them what their criteria is for like what can and can't be binned.
0: I'll do that. I'm in. I'll, I'll ask them and then record the answer as it happens and we'll put it as bonus.
1: Cool. Mike on the street. I love the new segment.
0: Mike on the street. Oh, God. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> Alright, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Cash or Trash. Uh, this break is brought to you by the podcast Shoot the Flick. Uh, which is by Scott and Frankie. Uh, they are a married couple. They introduce each other to new films. Uh, and what's fun, I don't think this is going to be in their promo. I haven't exactly listened to it yet, but I'm guessing it's not going to be in there. This entire year, every month, they are doing a different Harry Potter film as one of their episodes. <laughs> well, it's It's very, it's so we are in March recording this, so they've gotten up to, what is that, Prisoner <laughs> of Azkaban? Yeah. So it is all of the episodes so far have been a blast. Uh, listen to them after you listen to us, of course. Uh, shoot the flick. Here's their promo.
1: Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks,
0: and this is Scott Eisenberg. We're married, and we have a podcast called Shoot the Flick.
1: Every week, Scott and I introduce each other to a new movie the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts.
0: We want you guys to come along and enjoy the movies with us.
1: Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast.
0: Come and listen to us now as Frankie and I, shoot, shoot the, the flick. flick. those are friends at shoot the flick hopefully you check them out after you check us out of course because you know we're awesome and everything like that we love shoot the flick they're great too uh that brings us to our award-winning segment and award-winning is in hyphen or uh quotations because you know hyphen uh yeah quotations because you know it hasn't won any awards yet but we can say it did Yeah, who's gonna fact check us? Exactly. Uh, it's Cash or trash. Hashtag. Hey, Cash or trash. Yes. Uh, Mitchell, where's the song?
2: Oh, I know. We gotta make one.
0: Yes. <laughs> we need a song. Oh,
2: okay. I, I tried to sing it last time, and just lyrically, I had no idea where to go. Like I couldn't rhyme. I <laughs> can okay, You did
1: rhyme, didn't you, last time? I, I
2: did, but I can't recapture that same magic, unfortunately. Okay. We'll see. I, I'll try it for the outro. Okay. And we'll see if I, if I can get there again. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so we'll try for the outro. Okay, cool. Um, so, Cash or Trash, I guess I'll start. Um, I watched the film on Netflix, I Care A Lot, which is Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. Um, basically, Rosamund Pike plays a caretaker of old people. As soon as they lose their facilities, uh, she kind of puts them in a home and takes care of them. Um, well, what we learn early on in the film is that she's taking care of them by putting them in a home, even if they don't need it, getting sole custody where they basically give all their money to her to use. And then once they die, she uses this money on nice apartments, uh, good meals, clothes, jewels, whatever. But she has taken the wrong mother. Because Peter Dinklage is not happy. Ro. Yes. Yeah,
1: I was say I wouldn't want to piss off Peter Dinklage.
0: Yes. Um the only thing that I would say is not cash about this movie is I really didn't care for the ending. Um that and like we're talking the very, very end. I think there was a solution that was already in there that I actually kinda liked. Uh but then it kept going for an extra five minutes or whatever it is. Five, ten minutes maybe. Um, that's the only part I didn't like. And then, I don't know what it is, but Peter Dinklage holding a gun is not threatening. He does a lot of threatening things in this movie, but for whatever reason, that wasn't. But everything else about this movie, straight cash, I highly suggest this film. Uh, it was a quick watch for what it was. I think it's, like, two hours. And, like, it doesn't feel long. Uh, besides maybe that last ten minutes that's at the end. Um... But really, I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was pretty good. And um, the uh, love interest for Rosamund Pike is uh, I'm gonna say this wrong, Aiza Gonzalez, who was ba- or not? Uh, um, she was the girlfriend of John Hamm in Baby Driver. Oh yeah, darling, oh, okay. darling, that was her name, darling. Yeah. Um, so she was darling in Baby Driver, and she's she's excellent in this as well. Um, those three are pretty great in this, besides Peter Dinklage holding a gun, which was not threatening.
1: Is this based on a true story?
0: I don't think so. If it is, it's the loosest based on a true story ever. Because you'll see the plot gets a little crazy. Not in a bad way, but it gets a little crazy where I just cannot see that actually happening in real life. Okay. Um, And that's also starting with the premise of the fact that she puts people in homes and gets them to sign over everything to her. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we're
2: cash on that. Cash on that. Yeah. Uh, Jill,
1: um, I have a new Netflix mini series. So not a film. It is Marriage or Mortgage, where couples are brought on. It's all set in um in and around the Nashville area, and they are presented with uh, two choices either their dream home or their dream wedding and they get to decide and they have um two quippy uh people assisting them a wedding planner and a real estate agent so throughout the 45 43 minute episodes they're driven around town they're shown three houses and three i don't want to say three wedding venues because it's not always like three wedding venues but like they give their wish lists for both and then they have to decide take the wedding or take the marriage and because I'm secretly a grandma in a 29 year old body take the wedding body, or
0: take the ho- house you said uh-huh. take the wedding or take the marriage <laughs> Sorry. Take both. <laughs> <See>, the marriage
1: <laughs> with the mortgage, um, and because I'm secretly a you know a grandma on the body of a 29 year old, I watch the show while I cross stitch because it's really easy just to have on in the background. And uh, I'm gonna say like it's trash. Like I-, I can't sit here and tell you this is like the next Queer Eye. Like you're not gonna <laughs> cry. And feel good about yourself because their lives have been so vastly improved by houses and weddings that they're still paying for. By the way, they're not being given these things. They they have to come in. No, they have um. They come in with a budget, so they have how they present how much they're ready to put aside for a mortgage and how much they're ready to put aside for a wedding. So, like, wedding budgets range from like the mid, uh, um. Double digits, thousands, so like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, thirty-three thousand, and then they have the money that they set aside for the mortgage, um, you know, three hundred or four hundred, four ninety-five thousand. So like, yeah. they're not getting these things for free. But <laughs> watching it play out, you're thinking, well, duh, you take the goddamn house every time. Every, every time
2: that, that is wealth that's going to accumulate over time for that couple, yeah. and you know.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them are young, too. They're, like, in their early, you know, mid-20s, late-20s,
2: early-30s.
1: So it's like, get
2: the the house. (laughs) So when would you ever take the wedding, Joe?
1: So the only time that I would take the wedding is if I was older and I probably could find a house with my partner. Hopefully there's a partner. And... I guess the thing that really picks it apart for me, because I've thought about it for too long, is that if you have a really good real estate agent, you could still probably find these properties, Um, but it's, like, the connections that the wedding wedding planner and the real estate agent have that, like, get to bring down the costs, so, like, the time that I would take the wedding is, I'm slightly older, I could probably still find a house in my price range, because my price range to start off with is rather good. So you know, my more I'm willing to put down four hundred ninety-five thousand dollars on a mortgage versus like yeah. two ninety, depending especially depending on the area. But like the wedding planner, depending on what you're asking, she at least in the show seems to have a lot of connections. Where she, you know she's convincing um, a band that's really hard to book to play at a discounted rate, or talking okay. to entertainment venues to throw in extra features like valet parking and the bar for free they just have to pay for the catering so the food um, there was like a, one couple who wanted to have like trolley cars to get people transported but it was going to be very very expensive for that so she was able to convince the company to give them the free trolley cars things like that yeah. so it was like all these little extra perks that like bring down that cost considerably that's when I would take to the wedding where it's like this is really like a $45,000 wedding, but I'm only spending like 25000 because of these discounts, sure, I'll take the wedding.
2: And I think it makes sense if you're older in that, you know, if you're young and you get a house and you can actually enjoy the fact that yeah. it's going to hit a certain value, you're going to cash in. And if you're older, like in your 50s getting married, then you don't necessarily have that same thing to look forward to unless you have yeah, someone to pass it down but you know yeah i think the wedding and having that dream wedding that you didn't have in your 20s that'd be awesome to get so yeah. I, that i understand
1: yeah so i'm gonna say i wish there was a mid-range of cash to trash so it's like it's hot trash this is reality tv that's fair i think but it's
2: cool no. that netflix has really upped their game from the reality tv standpoint because mm-hmm. that's like that's something that's obviously just been sitting there on cable for a long time, being yeah. success. and now they're getting into the game with a big budget. And it seems it seems like people are watching yeah. these things, which is cool. This is
1: there. Um, I think "Say I Do" is another one that was like a wedding, so like couples who want to get married but they don't have the money to do so. In that case, three guys um show up and they put on the wedding, and like in that case, I think a lot of money is getting saved on um, yeah. the situation of that movie show. I will say one thing. The show was probably filmed in the summer of 2019, maybe the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who picked that wedding, it definitely did not happen as anticipated in 2020. So more so take the house because... So
0: glad we got married in 2019.
1: <laughs> yeah, because if yeah. you're, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got my dream wedding, but now COVID's happened i don't even want to think about the logistics of like there's some of the people who may have just kind of been like we're not supposed to have a gathering but we're still going to do it anyway because gosh darn it i'm going to have this dream wedding yeah i'm really happy i'm i will never be hopefully in that situation where i have to pick That's but cool. it's just kind of it's just kind of funny We you're the ones who pick the wedding where they're like yeah and then COVID happened so what was the point right yeah
0: please <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so half trash half, half cash
0: Half trash, half cash. Okay. We, we do need to find something in the middle that's, like, hot trash or, like...
1: I mean, and that's what this is. This is
2: hot, entertaining trash.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mitchell, what do you got for yeah. Cash or Trash?
2: Yes, yeah, so it's not a movie. It's actually a Netflix docuseries called Last Chance U, and the new season came out, and it's all about a JUCO basketball team, East Los Angeles College, and... Primarily for those who are already familiar with the title, Last Chance you. the previous seasons on Netflix have focused on junior colleges with football programs. This one in particular is focused on basketball. It's the first one to do that for the series. And I think they did a fantastic job of picking the perfect team to follow. It's everything from the coach, uh, Coach Mosley, who is half preacher, half head coach, who's a guy who could be... Um, you know, coaching at the Division One level, they both show you and they bring people in to further contextualize that this guy knows what he's doing and he could be at a Pac-12 school. He could be at, you know, a Big West school or wherever, uh, but he is choosing to stay at the junior college level. And he has for, at this point in the series, eight years of his career because he feels called by God to guide these kids who are going through really rough times, you know, the junior college route in college basketball is a last resort for so many of these athletes. We get stories from all different backgrounds of people who were Division I athletes at Penn State, but because of injury and uh, falling into certain vices like smoking and just overeating and stuff, lost the scholarship. And now they're in a position to claw their way back into Division One athletics. And then you had folks who were fantastic athletes in high school, but were pulling sub-2.0 GPAs. And couldn't get an offer because they didn't have the grades. And then you had other kids who had criminal charges against them. It's just a whole other bag. Where we had kids during the season that this series is taking place in who had court hearings to go to, you know? Damn. It's a wild, wild uh, canvas of different characters and players who are involved here. And the guy lynchpinning it all together is Coach Mosley, who, don't get me wrong, could be an absolute asshole at times. But it's all coming from a good place, and from the end, you know, from the beginning to the end of this thing, you can tell what his objective is. And damn it, I mean, he is able to have these kids realize the best in themselves. And for the most part, there's a happy ending for most of these kids. Um, And that's something where Last Chance you football doesn't quite have that because Mm -hmm. football there's just more injury in play, all that kind of stuff. Uh, There are more players to keep
0: track of, but with
2: basketball. You know, they really just took a handful of kids, and you it get was your so twelve, eleven,
0: whatever it is, probably like, yeah, yeah, that's
2: it. And they really they they chose the right players to focus on in particular. And it's funny, as a sports fan, I didn't know that I was seeing some of these players actually already play at the Division One level um, after this documentary series was done uh, taping. Uh, there's a guy named Joe Hampton. I'm a UC Santa Barbara fan. I went there, and they play Long Beach State in the Big West. Fred Hampton, or excuse me, Joe Hampton. Fred Hampton's from Judas and Black Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Hampton uh, was a guy who was playing on Long Beach State. He was a starting power forward for them. And I'm like, oh my god, he was at Last Chance you. and it's crazy to see these guys actually be at the next level. Um, so it's great to see their backstories and stuff. Um, this is this is absolute cash. Open up the bank vault. Give me all the money in there. This is the most cash that I could ever ask for in a docuseries. I binged it in only a couple days. Um, it's a great ride. And the heartbreaking thing is this. I was watching this series and completely just swept up in, are they going to make the playoffs? Um, what seed are they going to get? Are they going to win the championship? And then there's an episode where Kobe dies. And then oh. I realized oh, wow. oh, no, COVID's coming. And they don't know it. And how the team oh deals with that is incredible. Uh, wow. So, this, is, this is crazy. And, one, the storytelling is phenomenal in that respect. Is how they plant different seeds like that strategically throughout the c- the series. And also, just from a pure – this is a documentary – but from a pure cinematography point of view, the way they shoot these basketball games, especially the home games where I think just the crew was given more rain to do stuff right. – um, It is great storytelling from just a pure basketball us versus them mentality um, that, frankly, I don't think I have seen in a basketball movie since, I don't know, He Got Game immediately comes to mind. But from a documentary point of view, you're looking at this, you're looking at The Last Dance, you're looking at Hoop Dreams. I think this movie, from a cinematography point of view, captures the game the best. Um, And that's including The Last Dance, which I think is the best Basketball documentary that I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe well, a and top that's, five overall for me. I will, I will also say with Last Dance, they didn't know what they were doing at that point to record the games, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. it, it frankly, it's an NBA game. So, yeah. The access that you would have at a junior college yeah. <laughs> versus an NBA it's night and day. Yeah. Right. The junior college is like, yeah, whatever you want. You
0: want you know, this angle? Yeah, okay. It, we'll move players off the bench for you. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and frankly, the camera technology is, you know, that was filmed in in the late 90s and now here we have phantom cams and all this kind of stuff the slow-mo shots are gorgeous um yeah storytelling is fantastic they did a great job of researching this school why this is a school that deserved a last chance you treatment um and it's just a great ride it's a great ride it's really fascinating so it's that's east los angeles college um so this is it's funny i was a sports info director before coming to my current job, and at UC Santa Barbara, we took in a lot of, in the Big West in general, we take a lot of junior college transfers to join the men's Division One teams, and one of the teams that you would see consistently in a, in a roster is East Los Angeles College, and this right. is, so this is a program that, in California certainly, is known for doing this, and it's yeah. because of Coach Mosley, so... Right. It's very cool, and um, even if you're not a sports fan, I think a lot of people could take a lot of uh, really cool, you know, just buckle up for a ride kind of experience from it, and I highly, highly recommend it.
0: Cash. Cool. Cash. Cool. Um, that'll do it for episode 31 of Game for a Movie. Uh, I have been your host, Mike, joined by... Jill. And Mitchell. Um, we will have this revealed after episode 30. I know it was kind of weird, because we recorded it first. But, you know, that's just sometimes how it happens. Um, Andre will be back for us for 30, and then hopefully 32. We'll see hey. after that. Yeah. Or 30 screw. 30 Whoa. screw. Wow. Oh, nice. Alright.
1: I, I celebrated a friend's 30 screw birthday,
0: so. Oh, that's good. No, it's good. Um, yeah. Well, you can. <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to episode 30 screw. Um, Yeah. That's... Maybe we'll also be doing Vampire Boys 3. <laughs>
1: well, we'll, come, we'll circle back to uh, Vampire Boys
0: 3, unfanged. Yes, <laughs> unfanged. yes. Um, cool. So this is Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: It's cash or trash, cash or trash. Will it wear a sash or give you a rash? It's cash or trash?